new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Show, the place where WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Show. Sponsored, as always, by Gould's Distinctive Clothing. And Hub New England Insurance, two of the finest institutions you'll ever find. And speaking of some of the finest institutions, there's no finer institution than the Patriots beat than our own Chris Price. Chris, welcome. I thought you were going to say there was no finer institution than the NFL draft. No, no. You, you, you supersede the NFL draft. Before we get to the NFL draft, did you see the movie Draft Day? I went, I've been meaning to ask you this. Do you see Draft Day? You know, I have not, but there's... A handful of family and friends have all seen it. And you know how it is when a baseball movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Everyone feels the need to talk to you about the baseball movie. <laughs> kind of get a little insight into what your world is like. I, I've I've had a bunch of people question me now about the, the relationship between Frank Langella and Kevin Costner. <laughs> You all capologists look like Jennifer Jennifer Garner. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's that's problem. Number one, capologists would never look like Jennifer Garner, and number two, okay, spoiler alert: Kevin Costner would never have a chance with Jennifer Garner as well. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, realistically, yeah, you know, maybe if maybe if she was not a famous actress, but you know, and and the other thing is, and you'll watch it. Another spoiler alert for those going out to see Draft Day. Although I would imagine it's on the cusp of DVD release right now, but it's they they show one of the GMs. They're representing GMs of different teams, and they show the Jacksonville GM. And basically, the Jacksonville GM is the one who Kevin Costner ultimately rips off. 
and he's just a sweating mess. It's like this young kid. We're going to go get that young kid who is just hiring Jacksonville. He doesn't know what he's doing. But come on. I mean, GMs are GMs. They've, they got to that point by being relevant or half intelligent. Yeah, you know, I, it, 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 it's funny, too, you talk about that. And you, of those GMs, now, you know, the, the, it's becoming a younger and younger gig. You know, and we saw that in baseball. I mean, you know, we, we see that here in baseball all the time. But uh, the GM job is becoming an increasingly younger gig. And I'll say this, too, man. You know, they're not there yet, but Jacksonville's close. Yeah. Jacksonville's done this offseason. Well, they got the guy who is he owns a team. He's from um Oh, yeah, Khan. Yes, Khan, yes. Yeah. And they they've got the the other thing that they have too is the old defensive coordinator in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And he's already been able to get a couple of his old guys, his, his those former Seahawks to join him down there. Like I said, they're not, you know, going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they're they're headed in the right direction. So, sweaty fake GM or no, they're they're looking better than they were. Hey, hey who are some of the youngest GMs? Just off the top of your head, I mean, because remember, remember when Theo Epstein was hired here was twenty eight years old, almost twenty nine. It was such a big deal. John Daniels in Texas. Is there any of those guys in early thirties? You know, there's no one. It's like a ten year difference. I mean, you're you're getting guys who are in their thirties now mm-hmm. in in the NFL. I mean, that's considered a little bit younger. I know Schneider in in, in Seattle is a younger guy. Um, but there's no, I mean, there's no like guys in their mid twenties, kind of Theo-esque, you know, John Daniels types, at least right now in the NFL. I mean, they're trending in that direction and they've gotten younger and younger, but you know, it's, it's kind of a gradual process. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it will take a while. I think that I don't want to say it's more old school, but you have baseball embrace this whole analytics thing, and oh yeah, and yeah. and and those people pushing that or are really embracing it early on were the younger people. So it's an interesting, maybe it's an interesting conversation for an entirely different conversation. So, uh, <laughs> but I you're 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 been diving into this NFL draft thing for months. And uh, I find this whole thing fascinating. And uh, this is my new thing, Chris. I'm only going to do things on this podcast that interest me. Uh, so I'm drawing like the it. line. I'm drawing the line. And this interests me. It's not just because the NFL draft is coming up. But I understand that you are an expert at something that interests me. And I want to go, before we get to the mock draft, which you have up on WEI.com, I want to go back to the combine. And I want to go back to exactly how that process works and how you saw this whole thing unfold. You get to Indianapolis with the combine. You see these guys from that time until the NFL draft. What is the process? I know that's kind of a general statement, but what is the process? I mean, how does, how does, how do guys jump up or jump down in the draft off of those two months? A lot of it is getting chance to, to really get your arms around a guy to get a sense who this individual is because to that point you really don't know who they are as individuals you know who they are as players i mean we all seen you know Clowney and manzel and bridgewater and watkins and we saw them perform on the field but these guys these, these personal guys these coaches these scouts they really haven't had a chance to sit down and talk with them and kind of get a sense of where their heads are at and, and get a sense of whether or not they put a priority on football. And I mm-hmm. think that's where you start to see, you can do all the mock drafts during the year you want, but once 
the combine hits and you get a chance to talk to them and then you get a chance to see them at pro days and then you get a chance to put them through individual workouts, that's where you see guys rise and fall throughout the pre-draft process. But the combine itself is really the first chance that guys get to talk to prospects. The, the best example, and as it relates to Patriots, the best example I can give you is in 2009 where they knew of Patrick Chung. Nick Casario has told this story a couple of times. Mm-hmm. They knew of Patrick Chung as an individual, as a prospect. They liked him. Chung came into the interview, uh, the, the combine interview, the 15-minute interview, and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And Casario said, we are ready to get up. We are ready to run through a wall for the guy. We are ready to kind of bang the table and say, this is the guy that we need. So that's the case of a guy winning over the Patriots with a great interview. Um, conversely, I know of some other guys who they liked, but then who came into the interview and they kind of cooled on a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, and they decided to go in another direction. But as it relates specifically to the combine, that's where it all starts. Who, and, and that's where the evaluation process begins. Who blew you away at this draft? Who was the star? I mean, not the draft, at the combine. Who was the star of this combine? Now, and I'm not talking about the bigger names, but was there a guy, one guy that was the Mike Mamula? Mike, and I, I don't know when the when this is uh, we reached the limit on referencing stars at the combine as the Mike Mamula, but who was the Mike Mamula of this year? I, I you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a real easy one, and that's Clowney. I mean, running the forty, a guy that big, running that quickly and moving that fast, it, it just uh, from a purely you know, shorts and a T-shirt perspective was absolutely mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a guy that big shouldn't be allowed to move that fast. The other guy who really stood out for me, and there were questions about his consistency in college, but in terms of just a purely physical standpoint, is Kelvin Benjamin, a wide receiver out of out of Florida State. Yeah, who you have uh, going to the Eagles in your mock draft. Yeah, I, I just, I, I again, there were questions about consistency and drops and, you know, whether he was there, whether he was dialed in all the time or not. But this guy is essentially, I mean, you put another 10 pounds on him and he's Chandler Jones. I mean, he's a 6'5". He, he's just, he's a 6'5 freak with just an absolutely unbelievable wingspan. Um, he was a guy who I was absolutely amazed at. Um, and, and there were two other guys I'll give you that, that sure. really, from a physical perspective, just like just jumped off at me. And, and, and I'll, uh, I'm a, a three cone fetish. Yeah, you love so. that. This is your three cone time of year. It is. It's it's, it's my thing. So I'll, I'll 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 preface it by saying that um, Daniel Sorensen. He's a he's a safety out of BYU, who not by any stretch of the imagination going to be a firster. He's a third-day pick, but he had a phenomenal three-cone time. He's a kid who is really smart, got a lot of the ball, um, is, 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 is absolutely tough as nails. He could be this year's... Remember Nate Ebner a couple yeah, of Yeah, sure. Kind of a safety who, who came out of nowhere, who's not, again, who's not a starter by any means, but is a guy who could provide depth in the secondary as well as some special teams value. He's another guy who I just I, I was blown away by. I was really impressed by. I think he's a he's a third day pickup mm-hmm. for the Patriots. I, th- I think he would make a lot. But of But when the Patriots pick him, you're going to look like a genius. There we go. Save this, and if not, we can destroy it. Right? Well, I mean, it, weren't you on Josh Boyce? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Boyce was just, and, and I still don't know if Boyce is going to be, you know, because of the injury and the, you know, the the, the struggles with the, the playbook last year. I don't know if he's, you know, going to be. It doesn't know, matter. I mean, you predicted, the, or you you thought that he might land with yeah, the Patriots, yeah. and there he did. So it, that, end of story. Exactly, exactly. Well, that, that's the thing too, and this that's something I want to make sure when when we talk about the three code. I wrote this, and it's up there. I wrote this back in February. I listed the top fifteen guys. In the um, uh, who finished the, who finished in the, the the top fifteen of the three cone at the combine, mm-hmm. and history tells us I wrote the same thing last year. History tells us that the Patriots are going to take at least one of the guys on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year they took three of the top ten: mm-hmm. um, Logan Ryan, T.J. Moe, and uh, uh, for life me I forget the third one. Oh, boys. Yep, boys. Those, those three guys were in the top ten, uh, and they took three of them. Wow. So I think when you look at a guy like Sorensen, again, he, he finished head and shoulders above everyone else in the three cone this year at the combine. I think he's a candidate. And the other guy, the other physical guy that, that I think really did well in the did well in the three cone, plus had some other stuff going for him, is a wide receiver out of Alabama named Kevin Norwood. Okay. Uh, who did who did uh, had a phenomenal three cone time. Is probably a second day or a third day guy. Uh, High-character guy, dependable, not going to catch a million balls as a rookie, but he's going to be able to give you some good depth. He's going to be a good locker room guy. And, again, coming from the Nick Saban program, you know he's going to, it's not going to take a whole lot of time for him to get up to speed with the Patriots. So let me ask you this, and, and as we point out, you have correctly predicted some of the Patriots' picks in recent years. Why do you have Rashid Hageman? Hageman. 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 I'm sorry. I just asked you that before we went on, but but uh, you, you're blinding me by the three cone drill talk. Uh, so why do you have this character, defensive lineman from Minnesota? Why do you have him going to the Patriots at number 29? Well, I think if they stick at 29, I think he's the guy, and that's a whole other question as to whether or not they're going to stick. But I I think that the Patriots need to start thinking about the post Vince Wilfork era. I think the fact that Vince. Uh, re-upped and is going to return. I think that's fantastic, and I think he is an absolute cornerstone of this franchise. But you have Vince Wilfork and Tommy Kelly on the other side of 30, and I think you need to start planning for that sooner rather than later. And I think every time that they've invested in a first-round pick in a defensive lineman, I'm not talking about you know the Brandon Dedricks and the Kyle Loves and the the the, the, the Silver Sillingas and the, the Chris Jones. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about the elite-level defensive linemen. They need to start thinking about the post-Vince era. And mm-hmm. I think Hagman is a guy who I think would fit very nicely in the New England system. There's some questions about his consistency, whether or not he's taken plays off over the course of his career. But you get him here in New England, you get him working with Vince, and you get him working with Bill Belichick. I think he's a good fit. He's he, he's played in multiple schemes over the course of his college career. He's shown himself to be a penetrating defensive lineman. I think he had 11 tackles for loss last year. But he can also hold up at the point of attack. That is to say, he's pretty good against the run. Not going to put him you know, in, in a position where he can't succeed right now. But this is a guy who is 6'6", 318, uh, kind of a Richard Seymour-ish body. Uh, and I think in a perfect world, that's who he becomes. He grows into that role. He works with Tommy Kelly. He works with Vince Wilfork. And he becomes that premier defensive lineman and kind of that post-Vince Wilfork 
defensive lineman that the Patriots are going to need. Well, you talk about the uh, the need for well the, the the drafting for a need, and you just referenced one position. Another one potentially could be tight end. So I know they bring in Dustin Keller and, and take a look at him. But do you think they're going to draft a tight end here because of the uncertainty with Gronkowski? Uh, and if they do, who are some of the guys that they might be targeting? I do. I think in a, in, a, in a perfect world, they're able to get a tight end somewhere in the second round, whether uh, Amaro falls to that. Uh, I'd, I'd, well, people forget, Chris, not to interrupt, but people forget Gronkowski, second-round pick, right? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. this is remarkable that you have that guy. And I understand elite players are picked all over the draft, but but I think that's what people forget about. Oh, well, you get a tight end in the second round and you don't expect much. Well, it worked out pretty well then, but but at the same time, there's a reason why they got him there, and some of that has come back to bite them, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the reason he was there in the second round was because of the back, was, yeah, was the back issues that he had uh, as, as a collegian. But yeah, I mean, you could get. This is a pretty good draft for tight ends. If you could get, uh, if Amaro falls, uh, he's a possibility. Austin Safarian Jenkins, the kid out of Washington. Uh, Troy Nicholas uh, out of Notre Dame. C.J. Fedorowicz is a really interesting guy out of Iowa for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is that uh, Iowa is one of the assistant coaches at Iowa is Aaron Hernandez's uh, older brother. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is that connection there. Uh, also, Fedorowicz, um, one of the another one of the assistant coaches, used to be the Patriots' tight ends coach. Um, oh, friends. Yeah, and, and so they, they have that connection there. So you want to talk about a guy who knows the Patriots system a little bit, uh, you'd have to think Fedorowicz would be at least on their radar. But, yeah, there, there's a handful of guys. The big question as it relates to tight end is um, the kid out of Oregon, Colt Lyola, uh, who had some really some serious red flags uh, as a collegian. Uh, there were a couple of arrests. Uh, in in the thought process, the, 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 really the question out there is that whether or not the Patriots would take the chance on a tight end with some red flags around. So uh, you know, there's nothing to suggest that right anywhere near where Aaron Hernandez was. But at the same time, uh, you know, in this post Aaron Hernandez world, do the Patriots take a chance on a guy like that? even though he may have the kind of skill set that would suggest that he could succeed at the NFL level. So there's a lot of good questions about the tight end position. But, yeah, I do think they're going to end up taking the tight end um, sometime in that second day, whether it's a second or a third round pick. Yeah, that's. I think that's a fascinating position for them because, I, as you point out, it can go either way. And, um, and the last question is really probably has nothing to do with the Patriots because they won't be – in this stratosphere of the draft, but who, who in your gut, who do you think is going to go number one? And, and let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who's going to go number one, and who's going to be the top quarterback taken in by who? I think number one is, is, is going to be Clowney. I, I think Clowney has a chance to be a, a truly great, transformative defensive presence. Uh, for a couple of reasons, not the least of which you're going to put him on a defensive line with J.J. Watt. And I think that, and I've said this before, that's going to be enough to keep opposing offensive coordinators ice cream headaches. Yeah. You know, even if Clowney is not the guy that, you know, we might think he could be. But boy, Chris, like, and you're right. I think that this is becoming the growing theme of this draft that Clowney's going to go number one. And we understand why he is, even though he had the kind of the, the I don't want to say lackadaisical year last year. But. 
let me ask you this before I you get to the who's going to be the first quarterback. That one play against Michigan, that one play, did, how much money does that make him? And does, I, or am I just? I understand it's you have an entire resume, but that put Clowney on on a level that I think that that everyone said, okay, this guy's up here athletically, and everyone's down here. Or am I just thinking too much of that one play? No, no, and it's not so much in terms of draft stock, but if you're or you know you want to be affiliated with that guy. You know you want to be affiliated with. Yeah, him and good point. Out that kind of hit and, and, and have that kind of look and, and bring that edge to the field. You know, again, we don't know what is going to happen to Clowney over the course of his career, but that's one of those hits. You, you know, you can take that and you can you know slap a brand on, and you can say, look, I want to be associated with that. If I again, if I'm Nike or if I'm Gatorade, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's. Uh, I'll I'll say this. I think again. I I think he has. If he gets if if he gets with Houston team, the Houston coaching staff that's in place now, with the team that's around him. I think he could be a very very good player over the course of his career. I, I do. And again, when when you consider the fact that he will be on a defensive line with JJ Watt, uh, I think that increases his chances. To be a, a, a truly special. Yeah, that player. does that doesn't hurt. Who's the, who's the first quarterback and where does he go? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, I write, writing the, the the mock draft a couple of days ago. Who do I have up there? Uh, one second. Let me okay. let me navigate this. Okay, I, I think I think it's I think it's it's Manziel. I think I have Manziel going. In the, in the you do. Game. You have Manziel going number four uh, to the Cleveland Browns. To the Browns. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. That's that. At least right now. You haven't it, changed it, that. It, it was weird. No. I, it, it, the the way that process played out, the the Browns were really cool on Manziel. At least through the start of the pre-draft process, Manziel is a guy who really instantly makes. The, the, the Browns, one of the most compelling teams in the league when, when he joins Cleveland. I think Cleveland has a couple of really interesting uh, questions they have to ask themselves, though. If they could get a quarterback later in the first round, they, they have that pick that they, they acquired a couple of years ago, or last year from, uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, so I, I think that they might feel that they could get a quarterback later in the first round. I still think they're going to go after Manziel with their fourth pick. I think that's the smart pick by them. And I think ultimately – it's going to make the Cleveland offense that much better. He's going to have one of those really interesting careers. I think the best assessment that I heard about him was that he is really a, a combination of Frame Tarkington and Doug Flutie. I think hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Why him over Bortles? You know, Bortles, Bortles is a safe pick. I'll say this. Bortles ultimately represents a really safe pick. And you have him at number eight to the Vikings. Yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think Blake Bortles – will probably have a really good career, but I think the ceiling on Manziel is that much greater. I think I think when you take Johnny Manziel, you have a chance to, to really get a truly special player. Yeah, so uh, we have all of your picks, all of your predictions on the mock draft right now on WEI.com. It's going to be a fun week, right? This is a, It's been a fun couple months, and you've been right in the middle of it, but this is when everyone jumps in and, and the predictions start flying. Do you like draft day? You like that? I, well, actually, I do, draft days. I do like draft day. I, I, do, I do like draft week. And I will say this. This year with the added two weeks, there's a little bit of, of draft fatigue that's, that's kind of bled into the process. But usually, I, I really like this. This is a really important team-building process. And, and, and I think that we kind of lose sight of the fact that in free agency, 
it's a fun kind of frantic two weeks and it kind of drives the conversation and you know we all kind of lose our minds about guys like Darrell Revis and Wes Welker and Akeem Talib and all that. Mm. This is for me a far more enjoyable part of the team building process because it's a little bit more deliberate and it's crazy. It's a little bit more, I think there's a little bit more to it than, than there is for Oh you. yeah. It's, so, it's, yeah, it's it, great. It, it, it's a fun weekend. I mean, it's, it, they made a movie about it. I mean, it's, yeah, it seemed yeah. like, it seemed like a stretch, but I'll tell you, I went to the movie. I was fairly entertained. It was, Somewhat underrealistic, but you make a movie of it, you call it draft day, and I'm sure it's great publicity for the NFL, I'll tell you that. And no one's making a movie about draft free agency, I'll tell you. No, no, or, or the MLB draft as well. <laughs> Although, you know, I guess the trouble with the curve was kind of that, but not really. And that was even more unrealistic than this. Uh, how's the marath- half marathon training going? Good, good. I, I just I, I um, topped ten miles the other day. Nice, like ten mile run. I'm feeling good. I'm down. I'm actually I've lost over the last two years. I've lost almost fifty pounds. Wow, good for you. Pounds. How do you do it? Eating or eating or exercising? Uh, a little bit of both, and you know, kind of pushing myself away from that third helping of uh, lasagna down until that. It's tough though. It's tough. It That's what tough. I'm struggling with right now. But uh, good for you. So, what? Which half marathon is it? It's it's in Plymouth on June first. Nice. It's 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 like the old county, you know, the old the old county trail. One of those, you know, one of those old ancient. Yeah, you'll you'll do great though. If you got ten, believe me, you could do it right now. If you did ten, you can do it right now. I'm feeling good, man. Yeah, yeah, and you get clear this draft stuff. It'll be even better. Chris, thanks for joining us. No worries, man. Take care. New on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 